Welcome, friends. This is the Art of Aliveness podcast, and I'm your host, Chrissy Marie. It's a space where we explore how to nurture life force energy through the path of creativity, curiosity, compassion, courage, and connection. Let's dance. Okay, friends, I have brought back Joelle Adifon for a round two. <laughs> he was on the podcast a while back, episode 15, which was all about holding miracle consciousness and sovereignty in a spiritually orphaned society. And it was such a treat and a deep dive to have him on. And now he is back to talk about what it means to be boundless, to really lean in to what it means to embody miracle consciousness and, and everything that's involved in that. And so for those of you that did not listen to that episode, I'm going to read off his bio again and I encourage you to go back and listen because it's a treat. Joao Arifon is a divine catalyst and supernatural creative who harnesses the power of miracle consciousness to help people push the boundaries of what is deemed possible. He was raised in a family where spiritual gifts and two-way dialogue with the divine were an everyday affair, and he began having visionary experiences at an early age. At age 15, divine intervention opened his eyes during a vivid visionary encounter. He heard a call to share the reality of God's intimate love. From then on, Joel resolved to deepen his walk with the divine and help others know the source of miracles. Today, Joel watches people experience the same life-changing power of divine intervention. He shows people of all paths and persuasions that God is kind and miracles are normal. His work helps push the boundaries of what is deemed possible. Via the kindness of God, bodies heal spontaneously, life-changing messages from the other side are received, finances are radically altered, and destiny unfolds in a myriad of other ways. In this episode, we talk about how faith manifests, his perception of descension versus ascension, how we can take care of our human while playing in our holiness, the concept of being a supernatural hero, what that means, and how to take supernatural abilities to the next level, as well as how to navigate um, different energies, energies that are deemed dark. So buckle up for this one. It's a wild ride. And I trust that if you're here, you're going to get exactly what you need out of it. Cool. So I'm, I'm super stoked to, to dive into this. Yeah. Uh, our last conversation was, was fire. Yeah. And, uh, we, we resonate on, on similar wavelengths with that, but, but this, this concept that you're about to talk about, this is newer for me. And so mm. I am ready to receive the wisdom and the excitement and, and, and the transmission from you about, about being boundless. Mm -hmm. So yes, talk to me about, you made a really important distinction a second ago about superpowers and how some of us identify, you know, love, compassion, uh, the ability to, to listen well, how those are all superpowers, but that's not exactly the realm you're playing in. So talk to me about the realm 
that you're playing in right now? Yeah. So I want to take a huge step back yeah. to kind of childhood Joel, yeah. you know, like in what he was doing and teenage Joel. So one of the things that I feel uh, my time in charismatic Christianity and those things actually taught me was faith and faith, not as blind faith necessarily, though there, there was that too in that tradition, but faith as that perception that allows you to see other realities and to see via ex inner experience, this world of miracles, this world of being able to receive information from another source and to have that as a normal part of functioning. See, a lot of people get hung up on faith because they're like, hey, um, I don't want to be blindly following something. But in my experience, that's actually not what faith is. Faith can manifest in two different ways. Faith can manifest as trust, which is I'm trusting in this greater intelligence that is holding me. And at every moment, you know, the, between the good, the bad, and the ugly, that there is a greater intelligence that is acting in, through, and as me. And we can all have different names and labels of what that is, but that's one aspect of faith, showing up as trust. That trust also, however, works in tandem with the ability to perceive and to have an actual interior ex direct experience with a type of perception that is beyond what is based in the nervous system. See, we've been conditioned to only function in reality, in the world, right? Especially for Westerners via the material body, the emotional body, and the mental body. And that's the human personality. Some people would call that the ego. I like to say human personality because it's not bad. We wouldn't be able to function and be here without that. That being said, there is so much more. There's once you get to the super mental, meaning above the mind. And once you get to, you know, this, the spirit soul level and then all the way to the to deity, which is acting all the way through all the different levels, if you can call them that, because this shit is metaphor at this level, right? When you get up to deep absolute beingness, that reality where you have all of uh, the big quote unquote capital G, you know, God or capital D deity, right? When we see from, from that perspective, there's a whole different level of possibility and even access that we have as human beings. Like one of the things that I talk about is how, we, a lot of us have heard of the soul contract. And oftentimes we act as if our human has no agency, right? We act as if our human is like a puppet for this ginormous fate with a capital F that we kind of just have to play out because we're here to learn lessons. Once we start being able to hold the human personality in the larger aspects of who we are so at the supermental and then to the spirit soul level and then all connecting it all the way through where we have the heaven root open meaning our access to deity and the earth root open meaning our connection to the earth we start to have a greater ability to respond 
because we're allowing those greater parts of ourselves to be responsible. And so oftentimes we're trying to control shit as human beings. We want to rack up as much power, as much armor, as much cheat codes to move through life, right? So that we can get what we want. You know, we can be safe. We can be happy. We can be fulfilled. And there's nothing wrong with any of those desires. But something starts to happen when we open up again to that trust. And that trust is actually the prerequisite becoming that child, that trusting, innocent child, a little one before life actually allows us to then receive, because we're not clinging to it, receive this greater power, the power of love that moves through all the different levels, shows up and allows us to actually then be able to have authority in certain areas. And that's where the healing miracles comes, you know, come from. That's where, you know, all kinds of, of deep spiritual premonition so futuring i'm not even going to call it psychic because the psychical in in the tradition that i'm in is basically that's the astral and emotional level and you can do a lot there but when you're at the spiritual level that's where you can actually decree things and boom like they happen because reality actually bends and opens to have it happen and so this is the tradition so just to make like connect all the dots back to like little kid jojo right that is where I learned about these things. I have relatives in my family who've raised the dead. And I know some people are like, the fuck is this dude talking about? I'm going to get to that. So like I have family, there was a dude who my family went to see when we were in West Africa, like when, when we went on a family trip uh, to, to visit family. And there was this guy in this little tiny village. and he was a mystic. He had a perception of the spirit realm that was seeing with his normal vision, angels and saints and Jeshua and, you know, different emanations of God and all this stuff. You know, it was normal for him, right? And so essentially, he was one of my first people to show me what it's like to be boundless. And so there was this phenomenon that would happen with him where his spirit would go on journeys. Literally like Jeshua would come to him or as other people would say, Jesus would come to him and literally call his spirit out of his body and he would travel and he'd be shown all kinds of different things, all kinds of phenomena, um, all kinds of occurrences around the world. The dude described our house to us in the US without ever having left this tiny village in West Africa, uh, described things we were doing, conversations we would have like casually. Every time we would go see him, he'd, he'd tell us all kinds of stuff. He's like, oh yeah, Jeshua was just standing right there. Like, you know, it was normal for him, right? But when his spirit would leave his body, his body, would be clinically dead so there would be no signs of life it's not even like his body would slow down he would die and be gone and just to illustrate this even further and to make the story even weirder there was one time where his spirit had left his body and been gone after being gone for months he'd come back and because of the place where he was there would be flooding in that area and his body had been submerged, and so part of his leg had decayed. And 
He said, and I quote, that Angel showed up, took mud, and made remade my leg, right? That was what he said. Now, I'm 13 or 14 years old when I heard this story. And I'm like, bruh. And I asked Deity, I'm like, listen, if this, because some, some, some people I knew, some cousins have been criticizing him. And like, why are y'all going to see him? Like, he's not legit, like, whatever. Uh, he's like a false prophet. So I, I prayed and I said, God, if this dude is really doing your work, show me. And so he told us that story when we went to see him, right? And after he told that story, he lifted his robe. And I'll never forget what I saw. A chunk of his leg was red striated muscle. There was no skin on it, like a huge chunk of his leg. And he was like, yeah, they left that there just to like show what had happened. And I was like, yo, that is, for a 13 year old kid, that was like, boom, it opened my mind. And uh, I had another mentor in my life. This dude could go, uh, and I'm gonna keep it fairly vague because some people may figure out who he is and, and actually know him. But like this dude actually could go anywhere and he would go up to people and like the, it, the, you know, you hear about those evidential mediums that could basically be like, yeah, your middle name is this or your mom's middle name or I'm getting this. Like he had that, but like on steroids to where he, he would, the way he would explain it is love, meaning deity knows every, when, everything about everyone and everything. So when you love people, you know everything about them too, right? And he would basically talk about how he would tap into the spirit of knowledge, not just receiving, you know, words of knowledge as they were called in the charismatic tradition, but he would get downloads and actually be taken into merging with the spirit of knowledge, meaning what deity knows. And he would literally look at people with the most ridiculously hard to pronounce names and be like, yo, like this is your da 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 like your father's coming through. This is your name is blah, blah, blah. It's now being changed to this. You live on blah, blah, blah street. And it even got wilder than that. So one time there was this guy that didn't believe what he had to say. And he asked the guy like, hey, didn't you hear everything I shared with you? And the dude was like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's cool. It's like, all right, you know, I'm seeing this phenomena. The, for whatever reason, the guy just wasn't impressed. So he said, all right, you know what? Just so you know that everything that happened here is legit and your life is being called to change and to open. I'm seeing the number 35 and 36, 35 and 36. And in, and he just picked a number of days. So let's just say eight days. In eight days, you're going to have an experience about this and you'll remember. And the dude is like, all right, whatever. That's fine. And he ended up going to, on a plane and he's in business class, he's chilling. And he turns to the guy next to him. He's like, hey, you know, they're having a conversation. How old are you? And the guy's like, am I 35 or am I 36? Am I 35 or am I 36? And the dude's like, fuck. <laughs> like, cause he remembered just everything. And he was like, I can't explain the precision of that. And it happened in the time that he set. 
So these are the people that I had in my life and had around me. And I was also blessed to grow up in a family where this kind of stuff was normal, where, you know, when I was eight, six to eight years old, and I might have told this story before, but at six to eight years old, I had was taken to a church where my mom would decorate the statues of the saints. And I would be in front of this statue of Jeshua, just chilling. And then one day the, the statue came to life, started smiling and started breathing. And I ran and told my mom, ma, 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 Jesus sta movendo, Jesus sta movendo. Because Italian was my first language, I'm Afro-Italiano. So she was like, yeah, uh, wow, que bello. Like, that's, a, that's beautiful. And then she went right back to doing what she was doing. So she affirmed it, she acknowledged it, and, you know, she normalized it. Now, all of this, and during this time, when I'm reading about, you know, when I'm in this charismatic, you know, tradition, Catholicism, Christianity, I'm reading, I'm growing up hearing these stories about these people that had opened themselves up to be conduits of what others call the impossible. There's this quote, and I think it's by Theodore Wilkie or something like that, that says, what we need is more specialists, more people who specialize in the impossible, right? And to me, the saints, masters, you know, and what we also call the divine ones, there are people like that. You know, some people, the, the, the ecstatic spiritualists that, you know, we have all grouped together in the West as shamans, they are also, you know, examples, especially the ones working in high integrity, you know, occultists. There's this wide group, and then people who just have these superpowers that turned on for whatever the fuck reason, all of that shit is real, right? All of that shit is happening in the world today. And growing up, someone might be hearing like stories from me saying oh i'm having these experiences i'm having these these openings and i'm i'm loving these saints and they say okay joel i can't necessarily relate to that but if you've seen a marvel marvel movie right if you've seen if you watch anime if you have ever as a kid wanted to fly or watched peter pan or seen some kind of fantastical thing happen on a screen then you can relate to what I'm saying. Because each and every one of us, as children, we had that ability to suspend our disbelief for a certain amount of time. And what happens is, is in those moments, we're experiencing in our bodies the sensation of awe, which awe originally meant being in front of and engulfed by this ginormous, often terrifying, larger than us thing and then wonder, which is seeing this larger than life thing and being like, wow, like, and just being caught up in that. That state is the doorway to being boundless. And all of us, we were incarnate, we were born to experience the fullness of that fully embodied sensation to the maximum we can in our lives. And what happens is when we are not experiencing awe and wonder, whether you're an artist that gets caught up in the flow of making music or creating a painting, whether you are a you know, medical professional 
or you're a chiropractor or you're you know in the other forms of the healing arts whether you're an athlete when you enter that zone you know what we now call the flow state that is a action oriented that is a that is awe and wonder in motion and all of those are doorways and portals to what I'm talking about. The issue is that we as Westerners, because we've been taught to focus primarily through what we've called, you know, our evolved, you know, scientific brains, like we look at, you know, animistic societies, all oh, they're primitive, you know, they're primitive. We look at societies that still have uh, ghost stories or really like, for example, Japan, one of the most societally, you know, like globally advanced, technologically advanced cultures has a lot of relationship and understanding of, of the spirit realm. It suffuses, it's so innate that they don't even really see it as anything bizarre. It's not bizarre to go to a temple, you know, and, you know, understand that your ancestors are at play. It's not bizarre to have encounters with myth beings and liminal spirits. It's not bizarre to, you know, that it infuses their culture and, and you see it in their anime, you see it in a lot of their works. A lot of people don't understand the, the esoteric knowledge that is literally infusing all of their work. And the guy who created Reiki, Mikao Usui, right? Usui, right? This dude was a Shugendo practitioner and Shugendo is Japanese for uh, the way of acquiring power. He actually received Reiki as when he was on a mountain meditating for enlightenment and doing these attunements that he received directly as part of it. He was basically given an instruction by one of his teachers to go and meditate, but he wasn't told what was going to happen. And when he did that, he had all this phenomena, he had all this opening. And then from there, he was Reiki was actually part of a larger system of attuning oneself to that reality. When it gets to the West, a lot of us don't have that background. A lot of us don't have that structure anymore. And so we're just like, okay, well, I'm just gonna use it separate from that. Really, it came from someone who opened up to the boundless, to the infinite, and then brought it to earth. So yeah, that's, <laughs> I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. Well, I have a curiosity around the trust piece. Mm -hmm. That's it's interesting because for me personally, I was speaking with a shaman earlier this year and, and my word, I thought my word for this year was going to be emptiness. And in a way it absolutely has been a shedding stillness, uh, mostly me just wrestling with all of that. But um, she said, I feel like your word is trust. Like that's going to be pivotal for you. And it just keeps coming back around, re getting reflected to me by other people. And so, and again, through you. So my curiosity is for people who are, are wrestling with that trust because it wasn't, no, this wasn't normalized. This mm -hmm. type of um, awareness and perception wasn't normalized. Is it, what's your perception of it being like a chicken or the egg thing? The trust comes and then you open up to having those experiences or, you have those experiences through a conduit through somebody else and then the trust forms like for for you what's your sense oh man i think it's i think it's both and yeah because i think it is like this weird 
chicken or the egg. Like it's kind of hard to pinpoint because I had experiences, but at the same time I had conduits, namely my family that normalized it. Then I had my own experiences. And then, so it's kind of this interplay, which is why to me, it's so important that as part of this boundlessness, that people actually open up to the call to be what I call billboards, like Times Square billboards and advertisements of this reality so that other people can open up and trust. That's what I also feel like part of my role is, and those are a lot of the people that that find me, is people that are what I call supernatural heroes. They're doing this work in the world. They're, they're doing uh, things that pe- other people would say are impossible, but for whatever reason, maybe they're not they're not claiming it as much. Maybe they're not stepping forward. But when we have been given these gifts, we have the amazing privilege to be torchbearers and lights for other people to get that, wow, this is real. Like my goal at the end of the day is that I basically am just considered a normal human being. What that, that at the end of whatever I'm doing here on planet Earth, when I'm like, all right, Joe, I'm out, that literally people will say, oh, man, oh, so you got this gift. You got this ability. Or you're able to trust the larger reality in this way. And it just becomes normal. But it, I think it's people need to see the model. People need to see a, a, uh, like an image of what it looks like. And that's why for me, I have a lot of grace and understanding of skeptics. I think that we all should have a healthy skepticism because what is skepticism? Skepticism is curiosity. Skepticism is the desire to investigate and skepticism is a desire to find the truth. And skepticism, testing things, actually leads us to a deepening of trust because it actually is us saying, okay, like I wanna see, like, are you trustworthy? Um, that is absolutely, in my opinion, in my experience, that is actually what deity and that realm and that reality want from us. Otherwise, we wouldn't have brains. We wouldn't have, you know, ideas and, and, and all of that stuff. So. so questioning on that then, because this is something that I've always personally wrestled with, is, is testing when it comes to the more like the boundless realms, when it comes to like knowing things that you couldn't quote unquote or possibly know in the in the Western world, how do you test the as you're as you're developing these skills as you're refining and fine tuning? How do you test the integrity of your transmissions mm-hmm. um, when you can't always verify with the person? Maybe you're getting a transmission about somebody and you tell them and they're like, "Oh my god, that's exactly it." There's a verification, right? Mm-hmm. But when there isn't that soundboard or way to verify, how do you test in? Like, what's your process for checking in? Or what was it in the beginning when you were new or to this? Totally. So I had community, which is like so key. And so it's such, so important to have solid community in a place where we can be messy. We could fuck up mm-hmm. and we could have people say, hey, listen, you fucked up, you know, not in a shameful way, kind of like in a laughing and like encouraging way and say, okay, now here's what, you know, I would do in the future. And then eventually we, in this practice, we grow up and my teacher, Ron Young, and a lot of the ideas that I shared about like the super mental and like things like that are things that, that he's honestly shared with us 
his students, there's a community of being able to learn by doing. Because this world does not open via book knowledge alone. It opens via play. And actually being able to step forward and to actually, you know, with integrity, like have divine play. People ask me, Joel, how do I open up to the miracle field? And I'm like, how many seriously ill people have you worked with? Oh, no, none. How many times have you stood for something that felt impossible to your human? Oh, I haven't done that. But those are the things that open up the muscle of wonder working faith. And to have the trust that as I walk, it, that I hold a position as a child of the infinite, that I hold a position in creation, that because I exist, I'm heard. And because I'm heard, I get a response. And because I get a response, possibilities open up because of who I am, whose I am, and where I come from. Mm. So for me, it's so important to have a community because then eventually we are able to internalize it, to have solid mentors that push us to not be codependent on them, but at the same time will step in to help us if we do get into some kind of like danger or, or in over our heads. It's like a balance between the two. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I, I resonate with that. And I agree. Community has been pivotal for me mm -hmm. personally, um, and for people that I work with. Mm -hmm. And my other curiosity is around the, I'm going to try to find the words for it, but it has to do with when, once you've opened that up, and you've got the ability, right, to enact these, these, um, or like connect to these channels that where miracles do occur. Yeah where's the line for you and for people who are doing this work between knowing whether or not you're engaging in miracle consciousness because you desire it or the other person desire it desires it versus because it's supposed to be. So I guess mm. it's kind of like the, um, mm, the word, the word like playing God are coming through. So yeah. speak to me about that. Like where, mm. where like ego desire, all of that, gets woven into this, this ability, how do you differentiate between the two and allow yourself to be a vessel versus like the one that's deciding? Totally. That is a really good question. So, and it's something I'm honestly still growing in and still, you know, investigating. But for me, it comes down to relationship. See the difference between someone who's just doing magic and a high level magic, you know, some people can get really, really, really extraordinary abilities but the difference between that and this experience of allowing this other reality from the divine to show up, this divine realm to show up, is that, that relationship channel and having the authority of love, compassion. So to me, it comes down to two, two things that are happening. You have the person and their understanding of what they want but then you have these other different layers you know whether ancestral karma you know soul level karma um you know unconscious limiting beliefs that they have all this larger so so the human being the, the personality is the tip of the iceberg then you got the iceberg that is all the momentums 
all the timelines, everything that they that they have come with. There's a place between that person and everything, like meaning everything they are and the infinite that I, in the work that I'm doing, cannot interfere in. Because on my end and from where I'm standing in my experience, I believe that deity wants everyone to experience the fullness of being deity in a human body. And there's a, a teacher of my teachers, this woman named Hilda Charlton, that she would put her thumb on people's forehead and, and that's all she would do. They would fall over and get up healed of like serious illness, like stage three, stage four cancer. And she held the reality that God has no illness and everyone around me and everyone I see is God. So there is this level that I'm holding where on deity's end, according to what we're open and able to receive, let it be done. I don't feel like deity is saying, because we get into that supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. On deity's end of things, I think deity's like, look, if you want to have the full experience, have it. I'm, I'm not saying no. Then there's what the human being can handle. Mm -hmm. There's the movements that the human being is ready for. And I might, as, as the, the conduit and as the, the practitioner, be sitting there like, look, I want to, I'm called to hold the reality where the miracle is going to happen and to push for it and to hold it and to push beyond every possibility. But the, the movements that the person is taking as a spirit soul, the movements that they're ready for, they may have an unconscious agreement where they've agreed to take themselves out because, you know, maybe they feel unworthy. You know, it's not something obviously intellectually, but you know, the book that you recommended to me, right? Existential Kink, mm. a while back. Literally, there's that that aspect. I really feel like Carolyn actually is speaking to a huge thing of what's happening that comes up in my work, where there's these parts of people, whether it's uh, you know, in their deep unconscious, whether it's in the inner child, whether it's ancestral whether it's all these different things, right? They are actually saying no, or they're actually saying I'm not ready, or they're actually maybe getting some secondary benefits from whatever is occurring in their life. And it's actually a violation for me to push wholeness and to push a level of God reality that they're not let ready to hold as a human being. And that's the problem with a lot of this ascension consciousness. Because a lot of this ascension consciousness is not taking into account that yes, new earth is present. And yes, in order to actually hold that, there is work that has to take, which is actually work that has to take place, which is actually descension. Yes. I'm not about ascension, you know? <laughs> I'm about descension and bringing heaven, bringing that reality to earth. I'm about materialization. Miracle consciousness, like we talked about last time, miracle consciousness, literally the reason why it's not spiritual bypassing is because it incarnates. It always takes form. And in order to incarnate, even if it's happening at an accelerated rate, 
even if something teleports and it happens faster than what we can perceive, it's still going through all the different layers and structures of reality and matter to get here. Mm. <laughs> I'm snapping in my seat for those of you that can't see me because <laughs> I love that. And, mm. and that, that also brings on a curiosity that you mentioned wanting to speak to around integrating the human with the, with the holy. So finding way for people, especially people who are, they know that they have access to these abilities or they're practicing and, and they're looking to grow. You're always going to grow or bump up against a new, a new level of, of your inner human, of, of the ego, of the subconscious, the kinks, right? Of staying yep. small. So right. how do you, how do you negotiate those and, and navigate being both human, being both boundary and boundless at the same time? Hmm. Yeah, for me, it comes down to and shout out to, you know, my fam, uh, Tiana Herbert, because she actually we had a whole conversation about having dialogues and, and renegotiating with the human. So actually naming the different and also shout out to Kellen Chase, because I talked about this with him, uh, bringing up the, the human to actually say naming the part of me that is the ascetic right bringing the part of me that is the quote-unquote rebel because i've demonized him because he's not doing what what i feel he's supposed to do and sitting them down and saying in order for me to move on what do you need from me in order for me to have this uh this movement this integrity this ability to move you know as a whole being to this next level that i'm trying to go to what do you want me to provide for you so you feel seen so you feel cared for so you feel valued and we can you know work as a team that's one exercise that i've that i've found that's really been helping me mm -hmm. another thing is being okay with having needs and one of these ways that this shows up is sexuality mm -hmm. um there there is such an excising in spiritual development of our human sexuality um, from our development and from what we need. And this dude, one of my patrons is actually Hercules. And one time uh, recently he told me, hey, Joel, you don't shame yourself for not being a breatharian, right? You don't shame yourself for loving food and totally accepting the fact that you need to eat to sustain yourself and and you don't want to quote unquote ascend out of not wanting you know of wanting to eat like i love food i'm a big foodie so if you're not shaming yourself for that why would you shame yourself for having uh sexual needs and for having a desire to be in relationship cuz you know coming from a background where I grew up being devoted to my work. I grew up really focused as a kid. I, you know, I was hyper-focused on you know, what I then called ministry and doing that with all of my being and also still feeling a desire for companionship and feeling like something was missing. And uh, acknowledging those needs has been a huge part of the journey that I've been on right now of actually getting real and saying, wow, these, these needs and these desires, you know, they from my human are actually in service to the divine as well they're in service to the materialization of the divine we oftentimes look at our spiritual aspirations we look at our spiritual desires 
We look at our desires for self-actualization, for our ability to perform at our highest, or to, to be the kindest person we can be, or all of those things, as those are the desires that are acceptable. And then we relegate the desires to, hey, you know what, I'd love to be comfortable. You know, I'd love to have a certain financial lifestyle. Hey, I would love to, you know, have these kinds of lovers or partners or, or this kind of marriage or, or these things. We're like, that's worldly. That's bad. And instead of actually going to that place and saying, okay, are you serving my ability to function in this world and to do this service? And if you are, then you are a sacred desire as well. And that's, that's kind of what I'm going through. Mm. Yes. I had a moment this morning with myself around that thought mm -hmm. process where I, I, have this, I have this story that comes up pretty often around limiting my, uh, like feeling guilty around comfort, around experiencing too much comfort. And, and mm -hmm. I think I, I understand why. Um, because I think there's a difference between comfort and, and joy and, and bliss that is um, evoked from a connection to the divine and from, evoked from a connection to gratitude and wonder. There's like just physical comfort and mm -hmm. then there's like emotional, spiritual comfort. And mm -hmm. I think those are operating on, yes, they weave together, but I, I feel like they need each other. Um, in order to really open up my channels. And I just had this gentle little insight, which is like, joy is generative. If you allow yourself to marinate in bliss, you're not going to become selfish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going to open up your heart in such a beautiful way. You're going to have more to give others. Yeah. And, it's, and it's that paradox of like, the more you have, the, the fuller you are, um, the more you give. Mm -hmm. And it just landed for me in a, in a different way. I, I know that, but I was doing that thing again to myself, that kink of like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off. I'm, I'm not going to dive all the way into my joy because what if I'm judged as X, Y, and Z? And it's like, well, actually, it doesn't matter. <laughs> because when I'm, when I'm floating down that river, I am in service to, to the highest. And I know it. it's, it's that felt sense that you were talking about. It's that knowing. Mm -hmm. It's a trust that, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm on purpose. Mm -hmm. hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that piece. Cause I think that's really, really important. And there's a lot to tease out around it. Um, so many curiosities that I have around, it, around that piece of integrating the physical desires mm -hmm. and the being like a conduit, right. Just opening up myself and allowing spirit to move through me and allowing that to be fulfilling as well. Totally. Totally. And I think it's an important piece because a lot of people that are doing very, very high level work in the world, the ones I call supernatural heroes, there is this story that you can only do that level of work if you maintain a constant ascetic lifestyle. Mm. Now, it's not to say that asceticism and, you know, or training or working out isn't a part of attunement and attuning and opening up and, and holding and certain certain capacities, having certain a certain ability to receive a high frequency and then bring it through and to hold it in the human body safely. 
it's not to say that there's not a certain kind of you know routine or training that that takes place but what's happened is is that we have made that the ideal and we have cut out the rest and recovery part of being a human and so because a lot of the people that we look at as examples and models were monks or hermits or mystics like recluse mystics of all the various traditions or you know the practitioner the curandero living at the edge of the village who's old but it's so important that the image now changes to be that you can be in the world and hold that frequency as a human being. And we honestly see that in Jeshua. Like, yeah, sure, he fasted for 40 days. We have stories about that. But the dude was going to parties. He was hanging out with, you know, the, the sex workers. He was hanging out with the people that were, you know, shamed and condemned in society. He was seen as this joyful person. And, you know, he had Mary Magdalene too. Like, you know, that, that's a whole other thing, right? So that image of being a fully integrated human who has all those other openings is something that I feel the world needs right now because the world is of extremes. It's either you got to completely cut out your human being to basically be this light being and your human is just kind of like this meat sack that helps you kind of sustain who you are on earth or just be the fucking human. That other shit doesn't even make sense. Uh, why would you want to do that? And kind of like this nihilistic, um, just totally immerse yourself into this unspiritual hedonism. Cause I believe in spiritual hedonism, but it's like this unspiritual hedonism. Mm -hmm. I think this thing is the integrated version, which is no, I am going to treat my human with respect because my human is divine, is sacred, just like matter, just like the earth, just like all of these things are made up of the divine. And I'm also going to honor this intelligence, this origin point, the source, and bring all of that here so that as I navigate this human existence, I actually radiate this fear where everyone who comes around me begins to thrive and I fucking thrive as well. Yes. Yes. That, that rejection of the body rejection of the hedonistic piece. Do you feel like that has to do with, uh, with like dualism? People talk about that there's evil forces in the world and if everything is God, um, then nothing is, is against us. Right. But there's, there's talk, right. That it's not all, it's not all divine, that there is like forces that are, are looking to suck out life force and, and to take people who are seeking and twist it. So my curiosity is like, where in, in your teachings do you stand on that? What's your understanding of, of dualism and, and evil versus divinity? So I think it's interesting. So a lot of traditions have the opposing powers i prefer to look at it as an ecosystem and different roles that all different members of the ecosystem are playing so if you think of deity as the entire ecosystem deity is the actual forest or watching over itself it's it's the collective intelligence and it's also the intelligence that's beyond the collective right and and 
and the forest is the body of this intelligence that brought everything, then the predators are these forces we're talking about. The prey or, you know, the beings that have taught themselves to use tools and are also omnivores, like everyone has their role in the ecosystem. There are beings that are hostile to my human and hostile to my being here and having a fulfilled life. Oh, absolutely. Do they come from the source? Yes. Do they, are many of these beings in their own stages of returning and coming into alignment with source, or maybe they're in alignment with source and their morality is different from mine? Yes. I feel that source in my perception or deity or the divine is holding compassion and the ability for all beings to exist in harmony because all of us were emanations of that one and we're all returning now there with our knowledge. So it's no longer gonna be that there was this one where everything existed as potential. There's gonna be true unity where all of the knowledge that we've gathered in all these different forms and all these different emanations and manifestations coming together is going to be able to, to be held in integrity. Mm-hmm. That being said, it is very naive for spiritual practitioners to be like, oh, you know, everything is for me at, at one level. You know what I mean? At the human level, if you're going to talk about the 3D world where we have these forms and, and we have the appearance of separation, oh, hell yeah. Like, you know, basically like uh, Ram Dass and also who was a friend of Hilda Charlton would say things like, everyone is God and tie your camels. So I look at the whole of reality. I look at the whole of, you know, contrary forces right or contrary influences i look at the forces that are for me that are benevolent i look at all of that and i act accordingly just like some of the people that we humans look at and say wow this person has done absolutely egregious stuff to you know the most innocent this person has just thrived off of doing all this that person is still an emanation of deity and that person is still held by deity. Now, would I go and like trust that person with my life? Would I go and, and be naive and say, oh, if I just send love, you know, that they're, they're going to change? Hell nah. You know what I mean? Like I have to be holding a certain reality that, that keeps myself safe. And at the same time, the reason why certain people are able to actually reach those people is because they're holding that whole unity. They're holding the reality that everyone is God. They're holding also the reality of that person and where they are on their development as a human. But then they're also understanding that the reality that everyone comes from God and everyone is deity manifest in form is stronger than that other one. But it takes being able to hold all of that and navigating all of that to be able to see those kinds of things happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Playing, we're playing in paradox. Mm-hmm. Very often. Totally. Totally. You, totally. Said, you said something that I, I resonated with um, back in June when the Black Lives Matter movement was really picking up. And you, you shared a post about, about not sharing initially and why you were not sharing and where you felt like you were being called at a spiritual level. And I thought that was a, a really interesting place to come from. Um, in relationship to navigating the, I don't know if actually we talked about this in our last podcast, but the, the intersection between um, 
sovereignty and solidarity and standing with people who are suffering. So I'd love to, if you can just speak into how you, how you dance with your sovereignty in the face, like when, when the world is in an uproar and people are shouting like, this is the way to act, this is the way to behave, this is the way to do things. Um, how do you navigate that from a spiritual perspective? So I feel like every it depends for me and my work with myself and also other people that you know I work with. It all one depends on what we are here to do, what we are here to contribute, and the gift as a this this person she runs the the wide awakening. Mm-hmm. Uh, she talks about how look at we need to look at the gift that we are, right. And when we do the, the, when we look at the gift that we are and what we're here to contribute and we're actually embodying that, then we have a lot to, to, that shows us how we're, are, we are to respond. And so for me, there's this quote that Ramana Maharshi says that says, the greatest gift you can give to the world is your self-realization. Now, the self-realization, that could mean different things to many different people. Someone could be self-actualized as an activist. But when they have that internal connection and they're prioritizing their self-care, they're prioritizing their openings to deity and the inspiration, they're able to get a lot more done than a puny human that's, se- that's separate right, from, from that connection that's running around like a chicken with their heads chopped off and is going to burn out. Mm-hmm. For somebody else, they may be called to be a recluse on a mountain because when they open up to that reality, they all of a sudden gain perceptions that allow them to help people on the ground. When we have a community where in a culture of really that teaching people to prioritize their self-actualization their self-realization and to also keep in mind how they're going to serve the collective and include themselves in that service, meaning they're taking care of their, their human and their instrument, we'll begin to see a collective wave of synergistic solutions because everyone will be in their place. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, some people may be hearing me and say, hey, Joel, like, I don't feel called to do what you're doing and to, and to be a supernatural hero in the way that you're doing. But to me, a supernatural hero is anybody who has opened up to this connection to the infinite and has learned how to hold it and is responding accordingly Mm. and bringing that using utilizing that to bring heaven or harmony or you know integration to earth in a deliberate way beautiful beautiful what are you going to be working on in boundless so in Boundless, which is a program, right? It's not yeah, just exactly, no, exactly, <laughs> no, totally, yeah. So just for those of y'all who don't know, I recently opened the doors to Boundless, a journey for supernatural heroes. And in Boundless, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to take 12 individuals who are doing the work that I talked about, and basically, you know, we got I just got off the phone with an amazing dude who is doing awesome stuff with ETs and spiritual healing. And he has a whole story of a near-death experience, a powerful near-death experience that he had. So, you know, 
people like like him are the ones that are going to essentially take the limiters off what is possible for them and their unique set of gifts and abilities and learn to play at an even higher level and to bring that through. And all of us, basically, I'm the game master, but I'm also a player in the game. So all of us are playing this game of how much more can we expand? How much more can, can we have fun at this shit called life and at the same time return that in service by being the contribution that we are? And so there's going to be, uh, you know, recommended exercises. There's going to be group calls. There's going to be a lot of different things that facilitate us doing that. And one thing I want to mention is that there's this book for anyone who wants to get an idea of what Boundless is about. Check out The Man Who Could Fly by Michael Grosso, which is a book about San Giuseppe da Copertino, who's a flying saint. And uh, literally this dude would Superman fly, you know, and literally go way up high in, in the air. And people are like, man, look, Joel, you've been saying some strange shit. I don't know about this. But this book takes a case, takes him as a case study. Michael Grosso not only conclusively proves that San Giuseppe da Copertino was, was flying because he names all the different accounts of all the different kings. The, the Pope saw him, people that swore under, under oath, thousands of people saw him at once. Like, if, if he was faking, it would be like the greatest fake out of, of, of you know, our time, right? but essentially uses that to then open up the world of parapsychology and supernatural paranormal phenomena. And it's one of my recommended books. So we're essentially taking things like that to, to help us retrain our minds and our interior beings to, to lift off. Mm. So, mm. And I can totally vouch for your own abilities being in one of your divine intervention groups it's really, really powerful. So if you're playing in this realm and you want that community element and you don't have that community element right now, I would highly, highly recommend uh, contacting Joelle about this. I'll leave all your, your info in the, in the show notes as I usually do. Um, is this something, do you have a link for it or is this something that you want to be contacted like through email or messenger? Absolutely, yeah. I tell people to contact me via uh, Facebook Messenger. Okay. And uh, or they could also contact me via email, but I prefer Messenger. And then that lets me, we set up a call. Yep. And I kind of gauge where people are coming from and then, you know, take it from there. Beautiful. And if people don't have Facebook for whatever reason, my partner doesn't just because it's totally. a lot. <laughs> What's your <Yeah>. email? <laughs> yeah, so you can reach reach out to me at admin at joeladifon.com. Great. Okay. So I'll spell that out for you guys too in the mm -hmm. notes as well. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with in relationship to this journey of, of becoming boundless or, or refining your access to your infinite nature? Absolutely. Don't stop having fun. Hmm. Don't stop playing. Don't stop being curious about how far the possibility can go or how amazing life can get. Like just today, I was thinking about some of the people like yourself who've come into my life and how my life has unfolded and the friends that are around and all these things that 
I never could have created in my mind that are greater than what I could have asked for. That to me is if you connect with that power inside of you that can do exceedingly above whatever you could ask, think, dream, imagine, or pray for. If you make that a practice of asking that power, whatever name you call her, him, them, it, show me what's possible. Help me go beyond my limitations. Help me go beyond my limit, limited perceptions of what I think is available to me. Help me go beyond my notions of what I think I've earned and deserve. Help me go beyond all that and, and help me receive your possibility. If you do that with all of your being every day, your life will never be the same. It will look different. And that to me is if you take anything away from what I've said, let it be that. Mm, that's beautiful and <laughs> practical. <laughs> and it really it creates a sense of excitement within me as well. So thank you for sharing that. Because, you know, I, I love the play, the, yeah. the curiosity and the wonder piece. Like that's, that's my jam. And so, again, play is a portal, I believe, to possibility. I'm hearing you telling me play is a, is a portal to becoming boundless. Let's raise the bar. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you for taking us to church again. I so appreciate that. <laughs> uh, if you're enjoying this, friends, please let me know. Send me an email at theartofaliveness at gmail.com or you can connect with me on the socials, um, Instagram at Come Alive with Chrissy Marie or we've got a free Facebook group for the podcast at the Art of Aliveness Podcast Insiders. So check it out. And as always, until next time, play on.